0: Hey, it's Kathy. Before we get into today's episode, I have something so cool to tell you about. I'm kicking off a free training. It's a free five-day abundance activation challenge. It starts on May 6th, and I'll be going live every day with you to give you the practical tools that you need to become a master manifester and create more abundance in your life. If you're curious about manifesting and elevating your vibration to start attracting more abundance, if you want tools you can use to tap into the high vibe energy at the drop of a hat, Or you're simply seeking truth and joy in life. This challenge is designed for you. I'll be covering the practices and tools to tune your vibration, claim your worth and co-create with the universe. It's just going to be so much fun. This is the thing that I have been most excited to put together. And I have been working on this behind the scenes really for the last two years and it's finally here. And if you wanted to just do a deep dive into all the spiritual and all the energetic tools that really you can use that are right here that are within you that will allow all these incredible gifts that are hidden in plain sight already to start being a part of your life. I'm so excited for this. We always have so much fun, but this is actually something I've been working on for over two years and it's finally here. So save your spot now. You can sign up for free at kathyheller.com slash five day. And that's the number five.
1: When you step on in a state of like, I get to give a gift and I get to share with this room, with this audience, with this group of friends like who I am and I'm gonna show up for them rather than hope that they like me it changes everything
0: Guys, it's Kathy Heller welcome back to the podcast so we just finished the holiday of Yom Kippur and i just feel that feeling of fullness in my heart you know it's amazing what spending 24 hours just connecting with god can do and i just i don't know i just wanted to share that with you and um i actually posted myself singing Uh, the first verse of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah on my Instagram, because I guess I just wanted to share with you that feeling when I just share like what's in my heart. And so, yeah, if you want to see me singing that, you can go to my Instagram. Speaking of seeing me singing, I'm going to be singing with Andy Grammer and leading a two-day beautiful workshop, October 20th and the 21st. It's going to be such a special two days. Amy Purdy will also be there. There'll be a hypnotherapy session, as well as a sound bath, as well as breath work and journaling so that we can really dream up the most epic version of our lives together. If you want to join us for that, you can go to kathyheller.com slash dreams. And if you DM me, I'll be giving away some $97 tickets. So you can DM me on Instagram because we have a few left. If you don't get those, you can use the code gather and you can get a ticket for 50% off. I am also so excited because next Monday I will be with Mel Robbins and there's just a few seats left for that. If you go to kathyheller.com slash Mel, you can join Mel and I in a fireside chat along with Q&A and a birthday celebration because it is indeed her birthday. So lots of fun things coming up. So today you're in for a treat because the extraordinary Lindsey Stirling is here. She's a platinum-selling, award-winning electronic violinist, musician, songwriter, dancer, a New York Times best-selling author, and YouTube sensation with over 13 million subscribers and over 3 billion views. Some of you may remember her as the hip-hop violinist on season five of America's Got Talent where she made it to the quarterfinals. And she's actually going to talk about why it was a blessing that she didn't win, because it allowed her to go on and make her own albums, like her self-titled album, Lindsey Sterling, Shatter Me, Brave Enough, Warmer in the Winter, and Artemis, which have topped the Billboard charts over and over again. And she has a new album called Snow Waltz that comes out tomorrow. This album is just magical. It's an interpretation of timeless holiday songs like Joy to the World and Oh Holy Night, Feliz Navidad, and she also has her own original songs that have a beautiful meaning behind them. If you're a fan of holiday music like I sure am, then make sure that you pre-order her album because you don't want to miss it. You can go check out her annual holiday drive, The Upside Fund. This is what she created to help families who are facing a medical crisis and need financial support. They have partnered with medical companies to pay off over 4.5 million in medical debt and bills around the country. So this is truly making a difference and it's giving a literal gift to people's lives. Not only is Lindsay like a unicorn with her level of talent and innovation, but she's also so down to earth and I love that she's really in tune with her soul and her creative alignment. We're going to talk about how she's able to move her ego out of the way when she's performing to thousands and thousands of people, and also when she has moments of facing her own darkness. It's such a powerful conversation, and I love that we get to share this with all of you. So without further ado, please welcome the magical Lindsay Sterling. Lindsay, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we have so much to unpack. I mean, what are even the words to say about what you've been able to do with your gifts. It's not a normal thing. It's not something I've seen in nature, but you're doing it and you've been doing it forever. So tell us, let's go back and let's just talk a little bit about little Lindsay and like, when did this dawn on you? Like I'm good at this and I might want to do something with this. When did that start?
1: You know, I've, I've played the violin since I was six. I really wanted to play. Like it was something that I, um, I begged my parents for lessons as a child. You know, I always loved the violin. It was a huge part of my identity, but it wasn't until I was, you know, in my late teens, early twenties that I really discovered a side of myself that allowed the violin to become me. And rather than me just becoming like the classical violinist, I found a way to put my own creativity and spin on it. Um, Which was when everything changed for me. I mean, first of all,
0: now that that's been your life for a long time, it's just something you do, but that's giant. That's like a giant step for most people because I think everybody has this innate need to fit in and be like everybody else because we want to belong. Mm -hmm. And then we remember, oh, wait, every person I look up to, they can't fit in because they stand out. Oh, right. But our seven-year-old self, our 11-year-old self, seventh grade self is like, I don't want to stand out because I might do something different. And then people might have a million things to say about it when they see me standing out. What do you think it is that gives you or anyone that you look up to the permission to do things differently, do things a way you haven't seen before and be willing to let people think what they want because you're doing it your way?
1: You know, I feel like when I was first discovering myself and trying this new lane, it was really uncomfortable at first. Like, you know, you don't, most people don't live their life trying to be different, but I had enough experiences that just made me realize, you know, my dad was very unique and he was very proud of being unique. And I think his acceptance of himself you know, when I started to realize that the art I was liking was really different than what was normal. I think looking back to my example of my dad made me realize like, it's not just a okay thing to be different. Like he relished in it. He loved it. And people loved him for it. And it kind of gave me a little bit of that sense that I could be a little different as well. And then when I first started to put out this art, that was the feedback I kept receiving from, you know, record labels and agents. They just kept saying, you're too different. Like it was a bad thing at first. And that was really discouraging. And I decided I was just going to forge my own path then since nobody would invest in me. No label would take my music. No management wanted me. And so I just started investing in myself. And then, you know, when I put videos online, it was interesting that the comments hadn't changed the wow, this is different. That was the same comments I was seeing, but suddenly it was a great thing. And in the early, you know, the 2010 days of YouTube when it was just emerging, that was the thing that made things go viral was, oh my gosh, this is so different. I've never seen anything like that. So the context hadn't changed, but the reaction of what it meant had. And I realized, like, oh, being different, you know, some people see it as a bad thing, others see it as a great thing. And that's what's allowed me to have an entire career is by continuously not shying away you know even in the industry like i'm a very different individual even like in my personal life you know i don't always fit into this industry but i've found my people amongst it rather than trying to fit in and trying to pretend like i'm something i'm not i realized there's a lot of people in the industry who are a little bit off the beaten path like me and you only find your people by like waving your flag and showing up as your true colors
0: It's amazing. I always say that part of the reason I I have this podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job, which for me is about like a day job is synonymous with something that probably doesn't light your soul on fire. And so it's like part of doing something you love is like it's the best therapy just doing it. Because in voting for yourself and like, here's how I do what I do, you liberate yourself. You set down all of this like need to please people. You you set down... So much of the things that take bandwidth from human beings where it's like, it's your Monday. How do you want to spend it? It's your Monday. Like, okay, yeah. so maybe everybody will like you more if you play violin the way they think you should. But when does it get to be your Monday? Ne- next Monday? In three years on a Monday? Or, or, or will it be your Monday? Cause how much money ever would be enough to take the place of like, oh, I lived my Monday? And so I love that you do that. Let's talk about another thing that happened in your past, which is something people have suffered from like, and don't get around sometimes, which is hearing anything negative or rejection. I just remember it being part of like information in my brain that you had gone on to America's got talent. And there was a moment of like, you're not the best. And you were just like, Oh, and like, most people would have thought, cause you were so amazing, that I remember thinking, are they insane? Like, I've never seen a person do what she does. I don't even understand what, is she a human? Is she like a sprite? Is she a creature from a magical planet? And it was like, no, not quite. You need to be better. And it was just like, oh, so how do you think that that affected you and What do you think is a lesson in that you could teach other people about when you hear something that's less than you are amazing and I've never seen it like you? How do you think people can recover quicker if they can't recover quicker at this point? What do you think you could teach them about that?
1: Well, that experience ended up teaching me so much. It's an experience that was devastating and so humiliating at the time. Like I was to say I was humiliated was such an understatement. Like I didn't want to go back to college because I knew all my friends had watched and I was like, I cannot face people just watched me go through. My whole family was there. It was just like waking up the next morning felt like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that that just happened to me. It was, it was horrifying, but I learned so much from it that in hindsight, I'm really grateful for that experience. It taught me the importance of falling down because it gives you so much strength when you stand up. And a lot of people, I feel like think that successful people just had this road to success, but really successful people are the ones who just learn to get up from every time they fall down and they get mud on their face and they're humiliated. Like that wasn't the first time that I've been embarrassed or disappointed. That was not the last time, you know, and I'm really grateful that that was such a big one for me that I think was a really big test of like, if you can overcome this, like you are going to prove to the universe, to God, whatever it is, whatever you believe in, that you are up for this challenge and you are ready to be resilient enough to step into this industry and survive. And um, I think if I hadn't gone through that, I don't know if I would have been able to handle the little hurdles that came you know, later when I had had success and I wasn't as in that grit that you have to have in the beginning. But also I think a really important part of that story is that I look back on it. And at the time, you know, I kept convincing myself that they were wrong and I I can do this, you know, but when I've watched that video hindsight years later made me realize that I wasn't great that night. So they weren't necessarily wrong. They didn't have to be mean about it, but like, I was brand new at this craft of like, I just started to try to dance and play the violin. I really wasn't ready for that stage yet. And, you know, in that moment, all I could see was I wanted this moment. I wanted to win that show. But something so much greater happened for me because, you know, they said I wasn't good enough. And that was kind of true. But the point is, I wasn't good enough yet. Yes. The most important part of what I learned was that I had to go back to the drawing board and practice and practice and practice and practice my craft until about two years later when I got my first tour after a lot of work and a lot of trying different things and not giving up and having the courage to step back on little stages. Then when I stepped on stage for my own tour, I was ready, you know? And so every moment of your life, when someone says, Hey, that wasn't great. That doesn't mean you're not great and you don't have the potential to be amazing. It just means that moment wasn't your best. And one moment, one period of your life, one time, you know, that's not fair for yourself to say that that defines you forever. Like, well, I wasn't good enough, so I'm never going to be good enough. And also in hindsight, if I'd won that show, like that would have been such a short-sighted version of what my career could have been. Like I'm so much better off because I was able to figure it out on my own time and hone my craft and also not be owned by a network. Anyway, so, so many great things. Oh my God. God. picked off that show that at the time was humiliating and devastating. I thought it might be the end, but it was just the beginning of like, basically God taking me and saying, no, 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 no. You just got to shift your direction. and You just got to work a little bit harder and then you'll be ready for this amazing thing I have for you.
0: I mean, what you just did was like, uh, sonata, like you just played music. That was music. What you just did, what you just helped people to unwind and set down because we get so stuck in little things that we make them the biggest things. And it's like, wait, let me zoom out. Let me just zoom out and see what else there is to see about this. And I had a similar experience for what it's worth is that I had a, a record deal for five minutes or whatever, however long it was. And I was sitting with Ron Fair and he was recording a special version of paparazzi with Gaga for the VMAs. And I was like, I know I'm not this good. Like I was like, this is what else is going on at this label. Like I'm okay. And I remember that night he planted the seed in my head. Cause he told me that when he had first started, this is like, I don't think I've told this story. He had gone to Bill Conti who wrote the music for Rocky and all this stuff. And Bill Conti said to Ron, he was like, you're a good songwriter. You're an amazing producer. Mm. And he was like all offended. And then he was like, wait, what if I wasn't offended? Like, what if I actually saw that there was like beauty in that? Anyway, I wound up getting dropped from the label, but I remember hearing that story. And so I saw it for five days. I cried. And then I was like, what else is here? And I, this is not my interview, but I wound up doing a lot of amazing things with music and then started a podcast. And it's so much better so much better. And and he was right. My voice is mediocre. It's okay, but it's not that. And so I love what you just said, because what if it's all a gift? What if it's just feedback? What if everything that's happening actually is just part of a bigger story? And that's what clearly has happened for you. So let's go to the next big milestone. So that happens. You go through this moment. It's very public. And then... Tell everyone what happens next that started to make you feel like I'm in alignment. I found more of this expansion. What was that moment?
1: That moment was, you know, it was a little bit later and I'd like tried other things. And I feel like I finally got to plan like W, you know, of my attempts to like, this is how the music industry works. And it came in such a way that no one knew the music industry worked yet. And Mm -hmm. I met someone who introduced himself to me as a YouTuber, his name was Devin Graham. And it was right when youtube was becoming a thing and i was like a youtuber like explain isn't that a place for cat videos and anyways he saw something in me and want he was like i want to help you you know and he taught me how to start a brand and he actually taught this youtube class one night at BYU and i went to it and as i sat there in the room i knew it i knew this like Everything inside you, that voice that you got to listen to, you know, that I had been trying different things and being like, oh, maybe this, but I was feeling so discouraged because nothing was working. And then as I sat there listening to him give this little presentation, I was like, this is it. And I knew it with everything inside of me. And I started my YouTube channel the next day. And like, things took off pretty quickly from there. But it was like, there was that period of like dragging silence that's so discouraging and i think that you have to make it past that point of i can't do this anymore and it's just past that point that you're gonna find that aha moment where you're like this is it and yeah i started a youtube channel from there you know i, I finished my first album went on my first tour and the rest is kind of history i've just been writing this amazing wave
0: Oh my gosh, it's so incredible. And what I said early on in the interview was like, I don't even have words to describe it. I mean, you have like a gajillion views and so many people are there for every single one of those videos. And what I love for the audience right now who's listening is she didn't have to wait for someone to give her that platform. Like you just went and gave it to yourself and everybody who's listening, it's like on the other side of a screen is a human being who might be interested in who you are or what you have to say. And that's what happened with me with podcasting. And so I love that you are another, yet again, model for another beautiful thing in this world, which is that, the permission to just take your seat at the table.
1: Yeah, just take it. Like I remember that was such an amazing realization for me of like, I had been trying to like send my music to people hoping they would give me a a record deal, like hoping an agent would take me on. And finally, it was amazing when I was like, Wow, I'm starting to put stuff out there, and it was interesting when record labels then started coming. I didn't need them anymore, and I was able. Ooh, snap! Say no, thank you. I'm actually touring the world by myself. (laughs) Right, myself. Like now, you want to come in and take a cut of my hard work, you know? And so it was just amazing because then I didn't need permission. I I had it already. And just another thought that's occurred to me is a lot of you know I have so many friends that have talked to me saying like, you know, my kids are now starting to go to school. And like, I don't know what I want to do with my time. And I want to do something great. And they just are like, in this place of feeling almost like life has passed them by. And they they missed the boat. And I'm just like, Are you kidding me? You're like in your young 30s. There's so much ahead of you. And, you know, the same way I invested in my career and was able to do my dream and live big on this vertical of my life. I haven't had kids yet. I haven't gotten married. And just because I'm in my mid-30s, it doesn't make me think, well, I've missed the boat on that. Like, gosh, dang it. You know, the same way I believe fully that I'm going to be able to find a partner and have a family still. And, you know, I'm going to get that next chapter. Like my friends that are married and have kids. I'm like, you've invested over in this vertical. That doesn't mean you can't still have this one over here. Like that would be like me saying, well, I, you know, I'm never going to get married because I just haven't had it yet. And I, I love the example of like Lucille Ball wasn't Lucille Ball until she was 40. That's when she started. I love Lucy. I never knew that. She was a C-list actress who had failed at that point. And then 40 years old when she was basically, give you know, done with her role as the romantic lead. She lands, I love Lucy and became Lucille Ball. Jacob wow. you know, was in her thirties when she started writing Harry Potter. Like the big, be- you know, we have so much of our life ahead of us and, you know, our minds are so vivid at, you know, these middle aged years when people think that things have passed. Like that's when you're the most like vibrant. So it's anyway, so true. There, I just think there's endless chances to find your lane and to excel. It's so true. And I want
0: to talk about your new album in one second because I'm really, really excited about it because it combines a lot of things that are like my favorite things like winter and holidays and you. And so I'm really excited to dive in. But before we do that, I just want to echo what you said. And I want to say for people who are listening, who see you as like a unicorn and they're like, that all does sound like really good evidence that people have done things later in life. But would I ever be able to have that level of like exposure and success? I just want to say out loud, what we started the show with is how cool that Lindsay, you are doing things that you enjoy. And so I think whether or not you have 3 billion views, or you had 38 people who said, I loved hearing that song that you sang, or I love that you're making like gluten-free stuff and you're showing me how to do that. If that's what would light you up, it's like, would it feel good? Like, would you have a better Friday knowing that your week was spent doing a few things that you felt made a difference? Most people would say, yes, I actually would like that. So it's like, don't make someone who has so much success the enemy of, well, there there you go. I'll never be that. It's like, I don't think that's the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is you go to sleep at night feeling like, oh, I feel creatively fulfilled. And...
1: I love That's that. the
0: best part, right?
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's more about finding your voice, your gift. Like what is it that, you know, makes you light up and feel fulfilled? And that can be. A million different things. And I think it's interesting. Like, I've gotten to see a lot of growth in the last decade of my life. I would say. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, I just played a show last or two nights ago and it was in front of 7,000 plus people and it was amazing and it was so much fun. But it was funny. My mind went back to my very first show where there was like 200 people there, which was a lot at the time, like a lot for me. And it wasn't any different like the feeling of I got to do what I loved, it really didn't matter whether there was 7,000 and I had a big production and dancers and like all the crazy stuff that I was dreamed of doing. I didn't have any more fulfillment than I did at that first show when it was just me in a t-shirt and like, a few hundred people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. My husband has just started a second career from, he dropped Law and now he's a stand-up comic. And we did a show yesterday. It was really fun. He was at the Improv, the Hollywood Improv on Melrose. It was amazing. He kicked butt. But there were other like headliner comics there and we did a live podcast. And one of the comedians last night was with Jerry Seinfeld in San Diego for thousands of people. And he said the same thing you said, like, I opened for Jerry Seinfeld. There were thousands of people there and it was awesome. And he goes, and then I think, hang on a minute. If I was in the audience, what would my experience be if I'm in an audience of thousands versus of 200? He's like, well, I'd prefer to be in the 200, right? And he goes, and for me, quite frankly, he's like, I kind of like it when it's small. He's like, I don't know why we always think it's either this or nothing. And so he was right. I was like, if I was in the audience with Lindsey Sterling, I would rather be sitting with 200 people than 7,000, even though there'd be a level of like excitement that 7,000 people bring to a space, all that energy and beauty. Anyways, I just want to ask you for people who are listening, let's say they wanted to get. 29 followers consistently on YouTube. I'm just curious, what do you think it is about your videos? Because there's so much content that the fact that you're doing what you're doing, it's really unbelievable because people have all the distractions in the world. It's not like in the days where like there were four shows on primetime. So what's your guess as to why people stop and subscribe beyond your being your awesome self What do you feel your connection is with them? What do you feel like makes it different that makes it this much of an engaged following?
1: I think in the beginning, it was that it was something unique. And it was like it drew people in because, you know, it's easy to be the best at what you do when you're the only one that does (laughs) it. I always joke. (laughs) You know, I'm a dancing violinist. It's very different. But I think what's had the ability to help people stay is that at my core, I'm a storyteller. And I've learned to be very kind of raw and authentic with the stories that I tell through the videos that I share through the things I say on stage. I'm just a storyteller. And I think that it's the stories and it's the the amount of vulnerability in that that is allowed Mm -hmm. a way for people to feel like, oh, she's it's not just about the dancing or the violin. Like there's a message or there's a story or there's a like there's a huge Piece of me that's in every piece of art that I I put out there, and I, I think that has been what's made people stick around.
0: I, I totally agree. I think vulnerability is really something we don't see a lot of. You know, everybody now wants to curate things and use a filter, and so after looking at everything that's out there, and then you see this person who's willing to be vulnerable, you lean in because. It's rare and it's beautiful. Speaking of the record I mentioned a second ago, tell us about this record that's coming out very soon and tell us why you're so excited about it. I mean, you've already made so much music. Like, What is it about this record that honestly you feel like, once again, you can get excited to put out a whole new record?
1: Well, I love Christmas. so Me too. I'm, I'm just such a sucker for Christmas. My last Christmas album just created such a like cornucopia of the ability for me to be creative, you know, through the music videos, we put together five tour shows with that one album, you know, and it just has become a tradition to go on tour with it. And so I was like, I need a new album. I need like a new burst of creativity for Christmas music to tour with and create new videos. And also my first Christmas album, I really enjoyed the fact that I kind of leaned into the Christmas style the standard christmas style i almost used it as an excuse to like take a little bit of a vacation from the music that i always play and it was like i'm going to try some big band stuff and you know lean into that and this album i almost did the opposite i just really pulled christmas into my style so i feel like this album is a little more me than my last Christmas album. So it makes me really excited for people to hear just the super unique twist that I put on all these Christmas classics and, you know, the originals that I wrote. I wrote more originals on this one as well. So it's a very unique album and that just makes me so happy. You can see I smile as I say it. It's going to be really fun.
0: This is my favorite thing because I love Christmas too. I, I love holidays in general, but there's something undeniable about <laughs> that part of the year where everybody just feels the world is like kinder and like there's more of a feeling of magic and possibility in the way people look at each other. And so I'm such a sucker for like anybody I love and they have a Christmas record or they have a holiday record. So like even in July I'm blasting the Pentatonics, Oh, come all you faithful, like as loud as it possibly can go. Why not? I really enjoy it. So do you have a favorite Personal Christmas song? Is there a song for the holidays that's like gets you all choked up?
1: I mean, Carol of the Bells is my favorite Christmas song, <laughs> being an instrumentalist. But what you just said about Christmas, about the joy that's felt and the, the fact that people are just a little bit warmer and a little happier, and you even said there's a bit more magic. Um, I wrote a song on this album called Magic, and David Archuleta actually sings it. It's probably my favorite song on the album because it just talks about the magic, this childlike wonder that we all like step into at Christmas and like this magic that's created. And like, why can't we have this magic all year? And anyways, it's my, my favorite song on the album. So I'm really excited for people to get to hear it. There's actually a line in this song because at church, actually the, a few days before I wrote the song, we were just talking about the difference between joy and happiness. And how happiness is something that's more dependent to me on um, situations. You know, you're happy if you eat something delicious, or you know, you're happy when you get good news. But joy is something that transcends that and it comes from inside. And there's a line in there that says, Who says there can't be joy when the lights go out? And sorry, I get emotional. But um, I wrote that line because um, when my father was passing away in the last moments of his life, we started sharing me and my sisters, my mom were around him and we didn't know if he could even hear us anymore because he couldn't respond. But we just started sharing gratitude for all the wonderful things he did for us and memories. And we were laughing and crying, just talking about what an amazing father he was. And as he was passing, it's like, I was feeling so much sorrow But at the same time, I was like more so than ever in my life. I felt this amazing spirit of gratitude that like kind of transcended it. And I felt these two very conflicting emotions. And it was just one of the most powerful moments of my life teaching me or reminding me that like even amongst the most horrible times, we can still have this inner peace and confidence, you know, and comfort that comes from the more strong emotions like love and gratitude and that's joy. And so that's kind of what the song encompasses, but you know, it puts a little Christmas bow on it.
0: It's so beautiful. Totally brought me to tears. Yeah. So beautiful. It's interesting. My own experience recently is my dad has cancer and Parkinson, So he's in and out of the hospital. And over the last, sorry, few months we've had these like really scary moments where like, Everyone's in the room and da da, da, da da. And you know, it's amazing to me because in my childhood there was definitely like things with my dad, good, bad, beautiful, hard, all of the things. And yet in those moments, all I feel is love. In those moments, and I'm like, whoa, it's amazing how certain moments that you would predict would be so, so hard, and only things like awful and terrifying are also filled with deep feelings of joy because of the love that you feel. Mm -hmm. And that is a surprise to me too, that that exists and that things can be happening at the same time that you can be going, going through multiple things at the same Mm -hmm. time. And that's by the way, why I love your music and I love music in general is that I think music is a bridge that actually invites us to hold space for All the things that we feel.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent music is like a little magical, it's like a time capsule, it'll take you back to specific memories, which is my favorite thing about writing Christmas music is I feel like these songs, they do hold such strong memories for me that take me right back to my childhood or right back to a memory and you know, and they just do, I think, magnify the ability to to feel. Let's talk about music
0: for a second more. And like the people who inspired you, like when you were growing up or even now, when you love someone, let's say you go to a show, what do you think is ultimately at the core of why you feel that concert or that musician is able to speak to your soul? Like, what are you, if you had to guess, what are you identifying as like the heart of that?
1: I've gone to a lot of shows, you know, and it feels like I enjoy different shows for different reasons. Like mm-hmm. every artist has their, their gift and their thing. And I feel like it's such a personal thing though. Like as an artist, you will work so hard and prepare so hard for tour and try to create these moments of magic. But I honestly feel like a lot of the magic happens before they even get there because my favorite shows are the ones where it takes me back to my own mm-hmm. and like memories with the music from the yes, and it fulfills a nostalgia and so it's like what has that artist created for me in the past what are the memories I've had with their songs what are the the music videos that I loved in the past or you know because when you're there there's only so much the artist can do once they're on stage but we're really trying to draw out of the people in the audience like the feelings that they've already had and that's what I think makes a great performance like I'll just say I went to the Backstreet Boys recently so why did I Oh, such a great show. The amount of nostalgia and like joy, they were great performers and the show was fantastic. And I recommend everybody go. But so much of that joy came from the memories they created for me from my teens till now.
0: Totally. I remembered like where I was the first time I was like driving and hearing this song. And yeah, one of the things I think about with artists is like, I saw James Taylor and Carole King at the Troubadour, which was so special because it's such a small venue to see two iconic legends like that. And just like, as they were like, you know, they love each other. So they were like talking and then they started to play and she's performed so many times that her voice, like her actual vocals are like scratchy and all that. And yet her unbridled vulnerability, Mm -hmm. it's like a freight train of love. Just like, it's you because she's so like vulnerably singing these songs. And I think about you and I think about Lady Gaga performing shallow. And I think about the moment where Kelly Clarkson's voice cracked and she sang a moment like this. And like, there's really a moment where you're watching someone sing a song. And then there's another moment where like the song is singing them. We're like, yeah. they move out of the way. And there's like an experience that you're witness to. And you're like, it's as if they're possessed in a good way. Like, and with help. I'm saying in a healthy way, something, a force takes over and their ego moves out of the way. They're not trying to look pretty. They're not trying to sound great. They're not trying. It's just the most love, the most vulnerability, the most magic. And you, when I see you, like when you're in the zone, I'm like, she's moved out of the way. And so- That takes some level of something, and I'm curious if you could talk about having experiences like that when you know you're in the flow, you know you're in the zone, like that. And what do you think that is? How would you explain that?
2: Well,
1: I have a theory. I don't know if it's real or not, but you know, it's everybody has like an aura and an energy, and it's not just a woo-woo term. It's like literally a measure Um, of of course that they can they can see the waves and they can you know when they measure them and and i think that artists that have a r- amazing ability to connect or those people that have that it factor that's just indescribable no one knows what to call it i really think that those artists know how to channel their actual like love and energy and those emotions that create those waves, because literally gratitude and love have a different amplitude than nervousness. And, you know, and this is all science. But I think that that energy and being able to like, really focus in on it and harness it, and then project it, I think that is what makes those magnetic, it factor performers. And it's something that I've in the last few years really started to work on and I've started to like meditate before shows to try to imagine myself literally sending love into the audience as if my aura is like exploding and I wanted to go to the very back of the room and more so than focusing on, I hope that I'm enough and I hope that like they like me. Cause that's how I used to go on stage. I used to step on in a state of like, I hope they. Like me and I hope I'm enough. I hope I play well and they think I'm good enough. But that's almost setting yourself up for failure. If you step into a party like that or a room or a date or whatever it is, like, I hope they like me. When you step on in a state of like, I get to give a gift and I get to share with this room, with this audience, with this group of friends, like who I am and I'm going to show up for them rather than hope that they like me. It changes everything. So, like, I meditate and visualize for shows. I do breath work now to try to strengthen my, my like magnetism and the ability to send out the love. And that's the focus that I now step on stage with is literally, I want them to feel my love. The music will happen. I've practiced countless hours. I'm prepared. Now I just need to send them love.
0: It's so beautiful. And I've been on that journey myself. I studied for a few years at UCLA. They have a whole mindfulness research center. And I have spent three years in Jerusalem studying Kabbalah. And hasn't been, been on like so many 10-day long meditation retreats. And I have this whole part of my practice. And 658 people I've interviewed, I would say 98% of the people who've been on this show, they have a practice. They meditate. They find their way in. And when Marianne Williamson was here, she said nobody would look at the ocean and think a wave is separate from another wave. Mm-hmm. And nobody would look at the ocean and think that waves are separate from the ocean themselves. Yeah. Right. The ocean is the wave. The wave is the ocean. And Einstein, just studying, because I do love science and you mentioned it a couple of times, you know, Einstein said that there's not three dimensions, there's ten, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't see like Time is the fourth dimension, which is elastic. It's not really set, right? It's relative. It's a day on Jupiter is not 24 hours. It's nine hours and 58 minutes. And an hour outside of our solar system is 26 seconds. So time is elastic and that's the fourth dimension. And then there's a fifth dimension and a sixth dimension, but our eyeball, this is really important. He said, our eyes see things in 3d, right? Mm -hmm. So they see width, height, and depth, So we don't perceive energy. We see things as separate. So we see that you and I are separate, but there's a whole field, a whole actual field of things that have mass and matter in the room Mm -hmm. that are just things I don't see with my eyes, right? So when we pray, when we meditate, we close our eyes and we see further than we see with our eyes open because we can feel there's actual energy, right? So everything you just said is so important Because when we come from that place of wholeness where all the waves are one ocean and you drop in, there's nothing you have to push. There's nothing you have to impress. You're just bringing people into that resonance. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about. And how cool that you just took us behind the scenes and shared that you're even aware of that before you go out there. What a gift to your audience to get to experience that.
1: And it's been, it's been a life changing process to realize all this, to realize it starts with your beliefs, the like cognitive things that you think mm-hmm. of yourself and that you realize, Oh my gosh, I've stopped believing in myself or Oh my gosh, I actually don't know if I like myself. Like It starts there and then you just get deeper and deeper from the tangible things you feel to the thoughts you think to the energy you get to project. It just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you peel back the layers of yourself, it's amazing to discover that we have so much more power and potential than I think we ever realize. Once you peel back one layer at a time and allow yourself the ability to just like you said, just exist and be without judgment. And it's a constant process that I'm always like going in flux from, you know, sometimes I'm in this really good, like wholeness state. And then I find myself like life gets busy and I fall out of it again. I have to like climb back in and be like, let's get back on the saddle and like really focus on self-love and okay. Start with the thoughts again. Where are we at? Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper until it comes to the state of being okay, just being, and realizing that that's enough, and that you can put into the world the kind of person you want to be. You don't have to just, you know, accept the person and the energy and the type of things that you feel right now. Like all of that can change. Like if you don't feel great about yourself today, that can all change with work. Like you don't have to accept the way you feel about yourself right now because. If I did that years ago, um, at a time when I used to hate myself and I, you know, I was very unhealthy mentally. Um, I'm a completely different person today. And I, I just love the idea that science told us for years that there's not a lot of neuroplasticity in our brains, but now that's completely disproven. And we know that you can change your mind. You can change your brain you can change the same way you change your patterns. Like same way our body is malleable, and you stretch, you'll get more flexible. Our minds will change as we give them permission to, and as we believe they can.
0: And I love that you were so generous to take us into that because people can think, Oh, so she doesn't have a struggle with this. And it's like, as long as you are on this planet, you're going to experience contrast. Like every person, Beyonce too, Kim Kardashian, also Obama, also like every person who's on this planet is going to wake up and find that there's a new level of like, oh, I can find more expansion. I can notice that. I can change that. That's part of it. But what's also something I learned, which is, I think, interesting and helpful is your thoughts don't stay contained in your mind. So every thought actually produces a chemical into your body. And then it's really, you're not really up against your thoughts. You're up against your body. And physically, we get wired into this cortisol that makes us feel like we get addicted to feeling bad because cortisol is addictive. It's more addictive than nicotine. So we're like, no, I want more shame. It feels that my body wants a hit of the cortisol. My body is craving self-doubt. It's craving that cortisol. And what happens is if you can just put on your record, like if if someone's listening and dance for three minutes, you start feeling your thoughts change, your body, your chemistry is starting to change. And now it's easier to think of an even better thought. And now it's easier to think of an even better thought. But like, We're all programmed that like thoughts create a chemical in our body. And so when I started to learn that, I was like, oh, I've been addicted to the past because it keeps me from this feeling of joy. And joy is actually the most vulnerable feeling because that's when your fight or flight goes away. As soon as you're feeling joy, the reason you notice it, you go into, why did I just think that? Oh my God. It's because you stop checking the exits. You stop being hyper aware of like what could go wrong and it feels vulnerable. So really... It's about t- teaching your nervous system that you can tolerate joy for longer periods yeah. of time.
1: Honestly, that's one of the biggest thing I've learned through starting breath work is it's creating it's the best ability for your body to handle more energy and which is more joy. Like you're, you're hiring your tolerance, which is a weird concept. I think for a lot of people, it was weird for me to hear that at first too, that literally we have a threshold for how much joy and happiness we will allow ourselves to have before we sabotage. And so changing that threshold is, it's work and it takes thought, it takes effort. And also I I just like the thought that we are all self-fulfilling prophecies because one of the strongest desires we have as humans is our Identity of self, our definition of who we are. And so if I think that I'm a shy, depressed girl that, you know, no one really likes, my mind is so hard to prove that to myself. I will treat people badly so that they don't like me. Like you will sabotage
0: it, sabotage it. Yep.
1: You literally will sabotage yourself because we want one, we want to be right. And especially when it comes to our own identity, it's so uncomfortable for us to feel like we don't understand who we are. So we will stay in terrible habits just to prove to ourselves. And so it takes so much work, but at the same time, like slowly changing your definition of self is possible. And it's got to be a cognitive thought, you know, it's gotta be something that you actually put work into. And I, I was anorexic years ago. Um, that's when I had so much self-hatred and loathing. And it was because one chemically, my body was malnourished and I didn't have the energy and the neural pathways to like do the things that I wanted to do. But also um, my mindset was really unhealthy because of the anorexia. And it took a lot of very specific thought patterns and self-help books and podcasts and therapy and you name it. I did all the things and I continue to do all the things because slowly but surely my life changed and I would never have been able to get to the place I'm at today if I hadn't invested time into realizing that I was sick of hating myself. I wanted to love myself. And that's where all of this actually began. My whole journey as an artist began just saying, I'm so sick of hating myself.
0: So grateful that you shared that. That is for every note that you play that touches lives, those notes that you just said, the notes that you walk in that journey. And you know, this is true. Like that is Such an incredible legacy that took so much courage to tolerate being willing to look at that and reorient yourself to a reality that was out of what was familiar in that way. I mean, that takes Herculean strength. So bravo. That is amazing. Thank you. You know, I had Deepak Chopra here and he said that the number two cause of death in children, meaning people under the age of 18. So we consider them Mm -hmm. kids. He said, is suicide. And he said, that's what keeps him up at night. And I said, why do you think that is the case? And he said, because we don't know who we are. We don't identify with our consciousness, with our soul. We identify with the self, the small self, the ego self. And then we have a narrative about a self that's not who we are. And we have all of this pain around that. And so he said, instead of saying, I am Kathy Heller, say I am Kathy and then just say I am. Mm. And the part of you that's not Kathy, the part of you that was you before you were given a name, the part of you that's you, that life force, that energy, that consciousness, that's a part of you that is always there and always in reach. And he's like, that's why I teach meditation. And it's all waiting for us on the other side of this very hardwired narrative around self being defined by what you do, what you produce, who you're for, what, I mean, it's just amazing. Honestly, it's astonishing how married to all of that we are, how much pain that causes. And um, one of the most beautiful things about people like you sharing their story like that is it can maybe be The first time someone hears it from someone who's been there and they hear it and they can actually begin to come out of what feels like it's going to drown them. Right. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the music because God, music is the most amazing way out of that very small place. It just brings us, I mean, that's scientific too. Just the notes, how that starts to light up in our brains and bodies. The last question I want to ask you is about, the Upside Fund. Tell us about the fund and why it's so important to you.
1: Yeah, I started the Upside Fund, I think, the Christmas after my dad passed away. And um, my best friend passed away prior oh. to like, about a year before my dad, then my best, and then my dad. Oh. And you know, I spent so much time in the hospital, and I watched them both slowly deteriorate. And I just gained this sense in myself of like, oh my gosh, like, Thankfully, I was there to help my mom with the medical bills. But I thought to myself, like, what if my mom had lost her husband, her everything, and then she spent the rest of her life paying for his, his debt, you know, for his, his expenses. And it just, you know, that thought, you know, in the time, the, how hard it is to be in the hospital. So just on a whim, literally one day I was on tour and I was thinking about that. And I went on my, my story on Instagram and I said, Hey, I, and I created an email account and said, Hey, if you know anyone that's struggling and can't pay medical bills, send me an email and I'm going to, I'm going to help you with your medical bills. And I got thousands of emails And again, and that was really hard because me and one of my friends reached out and said, you're going to be overwhelmed. Let me help you. And so we went through together like hundreds of emails each reading these stories. And then I picked you know, a handful that I could help at the time and I gave money to them. And so after that, I decided to start an official like 501c3 because, you know, you got to be careful these days when you give away money. (laughs) And now we, you know, have the ability to do fundraising. And I still every year do a big Christmas giving where fans will write in. And it's basically usually comes from my fan community and I'm able to help them pay their medical bills or get treatments that they couldn't get on their own. Amazing. And um, it's really special. And like sometimes, like at my last show, someone was wearing a shirt and they had a, a little kid with them. And they said, like, the upside fund brought my baby home and they had this child. And like, it just made me like burst into tears on yeah. stage. Um, yeah. So um, it's something really dear to my heart. And you know, I'm grateful I have the ability to,
0: to do this. That is gorgeous. Can you tell everybody where they can find that and, and give to it?
1: Yes. On my website, there is a section for the upside fund. My website is lindsaystreet.com. And, um, and yeah, we always do a big push around the holidays. So it's coming soon.
0: That's so, so cool that you decided to do that and spend so much time on it. We had a conversation here with Mitch Album, who wrote the book Tuesdays with Maury. Have you ever read that book? I don't know if you ever read it. It's such a good book, but it became a bestseller, but he actually only wrote the book and published it to make the money to give to Maury, who was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease, who said to him, I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to die twice when my wife has to pay all these medical bills. And he's like, maybe I'll take these interviews that we've I've recorded and I'll turn it into a book and I'll pay off. And so that book actually came from A Good Deed, which is what you're now helping other people do. So that's so awesome. Tell everybody when this Snow Waltz record comes out and tell them when and where they can buy it.
1: So it comes out October 7th, which is so soon. I can't believe it's almost here. Um, And you you can get it wherever. It's going to be all over the place. It'll be online. It'll be at Target. You can get it on Amazon, on my website, all the things. And then we're going to be touring around the States starting, I think, November 17th. So we're going to go right up to Christmas Eve. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. So yeah, I hope to see some of y'all on the road. And uh anyways, thank you for having me. This was such a delightful interview.
0: You're a delightful everything. And I'm so glad I got to know you as a person. I'm so glad that all of us got to know you better as a person, even though you share so much of this, you guys should be subscribed to her channel, but it's really actually so all of it is so beautiful. It's not just the music. It's everything behind the music. So thank you. Where do they buy tickets to the tour? Is that on your website also?
1: Yep, on my website.
0: Great. So fun. Thank you for everything. Thank you for today.
1: Thank you, Kathy.
0: How amazing
1: is Lindsay? Okay,
0: here are the takeaways. Number one, be proud of being unique, relish in your differences and forge your own path. You only find your people by waving your flag and showing up as your true colors. Number two, falling down gives you so much strength when you stand up. Successful people are the ones who just learn to get up every time that they fell down and get mud on their face. If you can overcome this, you can prove to the universe that you're up for this challenge and you're resilient enough to step in. Number three, in those moments when someone says, hey, that wasn't great, that doesn't mean you're not great and you don't have the potential to be amazing. It just means that that moment wasn't your best and one moment will not define you forever. Number four, we have so much of our life ahead of us, there are endless chances to find your lane. Number five, who says there can't be joy when the lights go out? Even amongst the most horrible times, we can still have this inner peace and confidence. Number six, step into a state of sharing your gifts. Show up for them rather than hoping that they like you. Just send them love, it changes everything. Number seven, as you peel back the layers of yourself, you're going to discover that you have so much more power and potential than you ever realized. And number eight, allow yourself to simply exist and be without judgment. Just being is enough. Guys, thank you so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. I just interviewed Ralph Macchio last week, so that episode is coming up soon. Make sure that you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts or you're following us on Spotify because there's so many good conversations coming up. And if you enjoyed this or any episode, please share it and leave us a review and a rating because it helps so very much. Finally, if you want to get 50% off your ticket to my live event with Andy Grammer and Amy Purdy, you can be meditating with me and journaling with me and dreaming up All that really is here for you in this life. You will be helping yourself reprogram your subconscious. This event is going to be truly incredible. You can go to kathyheller.com slash dreams to get your ticket and use the code gather for 50% off. And if you want to hang out with me and Mel Robbins next week, there's a few tickets left. You can go to kathyheller.com slash Mel to grab your seats. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have an amazing weekend.